to improve chemistry with a partner, basic thing is understanding your own eroticism. So many of us don't actually understand our own. I didn't understand my own and I'm still learning now how to because I grew up Catholic and never physically masturbated hand to vulva vagina. And also I followed protocol from my best friend on how sex acts go. She said, you make out and then the hands start going here and then the hands start going there and then the clothes start going off and then the hand goes down the pants and then you keep making out. So I just followed the step-by-step. And so I didn't freaking know my eroticism. I was probably like, if there's a spectrum, I was like way over there on the like, has no fucking clue and just goes through the motions person. Hello, welcome back for another episode of Interstates and Heartbreak. And I'm excited to also be welcoming back a former guest, Monica Jane. She was on a recent episode, um, The Life Erotic with Monica Jane. And she is a certified erotic blueprint coach who really opened up about her experience, her journey into exploring and really owning her sexuality that was so powerful. So I had to have her back because I had a whole range of topics that we didn't even get to cover in our first episode. So welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me back. I'm excited to be here. I've found your style of podcast interviewing to be very thorough and thoughtful and deep. So I'm excited for today. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I think that's partially why we had an hour and a half before even making it through half of my outline. We just had so much to cover. (laughs) So for any listeners who may not be familiar because they didn't listen to the previous episode or they may have forgotten, can you redefine the erotic blueprint? Yeah, of course. The erotic blueprints really changed my life hugely because what they give you is a framework a language and vocabulary, confidence and understanding of who you were born to be as a sexual human. Instead of going off of everything we see in society and culture and media, it defines five different ways that you can be wired for your sexuality, for your turn on and for your arousal. Turn on Mm -hmm. and arousal is really where good sex starts. Mm -hmm. So There's energetic, which is, we'll just quickly do a brief overview and maybe we can mention the episode number or something in the notes of where they go back to. Energetic is turned on by anticipation, spaciousness, slowness, and tease. Mm -hmm. And I changed my tone of voice to match. Mm -hmm. So if you feel yourself getting a little titillated, (laughs) uh, you might be an energetic. (laughs) Uh, sensual on the other hand is turned on by activation of all of the senses and also really anything to do with like skin on skin and the lusciousness of bodies Mm -hmm. so again i changed my tone to sensual (laughs) and then sexual is turned on by nakedness genitals penetration directness certainty 
is a huge turn on. And if there isn't certainty about stuff, uh, sexuals can become uh, frazzled or turned off. So Mm. it's really important for them. And sex is like a vital nutrient for a sexual blueprint. So if you have a partner that like acts like their world is ending because you don't have enough sex with them, it could just be that they're a sexual and you're not. And it actually is like, like death for them when, when they're not getting that vital nutrient. doesn't mean that you need to give it to them. It's not your damn job, but just to have the understanding and compassion of where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And then kinky is turned on by anything that's taboo for you. And so it's not like the classic definition of like kinky equals BDSM in the erotic Mm -hmm. blueprints. It's like if you're turned on by things that are taboo for you, and that can be psychological or it can be physical based, like the things that we see in um, dominance and submission or bondage. Mm -hmm. And then there's shapeshifter, which is turned on by all all of the things. Mm -hmm. And some people are turned on by all of the things, but if they're only getting like energetic and some sexual, they're Mm -hmm. like totally happy. That's somebody who's open sexually, Mm -hmm. but someone who's only getting maybe some energetic and some sexual and starts to feel resentful or loses themselves, they're probably a shapeshifter and they need all of the things Mm -hmm. rotating all of the time. So maybe some of you identify yourselves in that. (laughs) Yeah. Love that. Thank you so much. And I also really love that you really called out the fact that it's not your job to make a sexual person feel fulfilled. It's just understanding where they're coming from. That's really powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sexuals feel loved by sex. Mm -hmm. Energetics need to feel love in order to want to have sex. Wow. So it's, it's like, there are those kind of nuances. There's a bunch of different ones. And if anybody chooses to study the erotic blueprints with me, we'll will go into those like opposite things between each of the erratic blueprints. And it really helps you understand and have more empathy and compassion for yourself, for your partners, and for any of the trials and tribulations you might be having. And also the celebrations and amazing sex that you've ever had in your life. You reflect back when you learn the erratic blueprints and have the vocabulary and the language and you go, oh my God, that's why that was so amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think that is really interesting. And I think you can, to your point, come to maybe a standstill. Maybe you have like a chicken and egg thing where one person's like, no, I need the love. And then the other person's like, well, I'm not going to feel loved unless I have the sex. So just definitely something to work through and requires a lot of communication, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And we're not taught. So basically, when you go through the erotic blueprint breakthrough journey with me, what happens is you get the initiation and the rite of passage and the sex education that all of us deserve to get in our Mm -hmm. teens so that we get rid of all of that programming of men are supposed to have big dicks and (laughs) penetrate real hard. And women are supposed to love like being romanced. And if you give her a massage, she'll, you know, want you to stick it in her. And then queer sex is, has been barely mm-hmm. represented until recently. Netflix mm-hmm. is doing a really good job with lots of different shows mm-hmm. over the last two to five years. But anyway, I don't want to stay super duper in the binary because I myself <laughs> identify as gender queer. Mm-hmm. I am not a cis female. Mm-hmm. So... I want to include everybody in this conversation. Yeah, I love that. I think that's really important. There's a lot of ground to make up from past representations to your point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. totally. 
So the reason why I was so excited to have you back is because in my initial outline, I really wanted to talk through some of the sexual disorders and challenges that people can experience within their own bodies, and then kind of evolve that into how can you kind of, you know, move past that, make the most of your own experience sexually, either on your own or with partnered sex, and then really end with some frequently asked questions that people often have about sexuality that maybe they just have never dove into, they're too afraid to get the answers to, or they've been misinformed about. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited to get a little more deep into these topics. And I think, you know, maybe we can just begin with the sex disorders. And I think, you know, a lot of times when we hear about sex disorders, oftentimes are most commonly discussed from my personal experience are things that are male sex disordered, or I guess the word would be I feel like I'm trying to think like, I know we said vulva bodied when we were discussing Mm -hmm. people who own a vulva, but how would you phrase it for someone who owns a penis? Yeah. I love that you're bringing that up. So to be more inclusive in this conversation, we're going to be talking about sex disorders that someone with a penis might experience and someone with a vulva might experience. Mm -hmm. And if you are intersex, you might have parts of either of those sex organs and you might experience these as well. So Mm -hmm. we can say cock-bodied and vulva-bodied or cock-bodied disorders. Thank you for reminding me because I knew that you had the correct vernacular for it in our last episode. And I was just thinking it definitely wasn't penis-bodied. That doesn't sound right. So thank you for the reminder. Penis-bodied is totally fine as well. Some people cringe by the word cock. So I'm not sure that it's so much about like the correct vernacular. It's like, how can we be more inclusive? Okay. and we're having a little queer competency diversion for a moment. We're doing a podcast that hundreds, thousands of people across the world can listen to. Mm -hmm. So you can't always make everyone feel included. You just can't because, you know, somebody hates the word cock and we keep saying cock bodied and then somebody hates the word penis and we're saying penis body. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do our best to be inclusive and step outside of the binary in this conversation. And it's new territory for a lot of people. And if anyone has some feedback they want to give us, for sure, write us and let us know. Yeah, absolutely. The whole time that I've honestly been interacting with you, I feel like I've taken it as a great learning experience and so happy to continue that learning and very open to any feedback like you mentioned. Yeah, awesome. I realized there was something that I didn't say. So for the podcast, we're just going to like go broad and try to be as inclusive as we can. When you are with a human in front of you who identifies beyond the binary, you can ask them, how do you like your genitalia to be referred to? Mm -hmm. You wouldn't ask somebody that out of context. Like the only reason you bring up somebody's genitals is you're in this intimate situation with them. Mm -hmm. So I just want to make sure people understand. I'm not saying walk up to people on the street and say, you look different than what TV shows me people look like. What's between Mm -hmm. your legs? Like we don't do that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely (laughs) crossing a boundary there. Mm Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised it happens all the time. All the time. I can imagine. That's why we educate. So hopefully this can be a teachable moment. Maybe we'll have a queer competency episode someday. But anyway, for the purposes of today, to answer your question that happened like three minutes ago, (laughs) (laughs) cock-bodied, penis-bodied, or disorders when people have a penis, and then vulva, vulva vulva-bodied or vagina-bodied. Perfect. So I think that oftentimes when you hear about 
disorders that apply to cock-bodied individuals. A lot of times we hear about premature ejaculation and erectile dysfunction. And so I feel like we hear about them a lot. And I wanted to get your professional opinion as to why you think these in particular receive so much attention. I definitely have some hypotheses, but would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to actually back up to the word disorder. I don't use that in my practice. I know that we like need to use it in the medical system because it's a word that helps us comprehend that like there's something that the medical system's trying to fix. Mm-hmm. But I personally don't like it. I think it's demeaning. It makes people feel like there's something wrong or bad about mm-hmm. them and, and that there's something that needs to be fixed. So I just want everybody to know if you have any of these things or you're dealing with any of these symptoms, I'm not going to look at you like a broken person that needs fix that has a quote unquote disorder. And so carrying on with premature ejaculation and erectile dysfunction, I don't use those terms either. Oh, okay. <laughs> I say ejaculatory control issues mm-hmm. or ejaculatory management opportunities. Mm-hmm. And then erectile dysfunction, it's just like same thing. Just like try not to say like dysfunction or disorder to folks because it's demeaning. And the reason why we talk about these disorders so much and they have so much attention and are valued, we would need like two days of lecture to go into the history of patriarchalness. So I'm going to try to like package it up. Basically, there's been so much value put on because of societal and cultural conditioning, so much value put on the cock, on the penis, the size, the function of it, how soon it ejaculates. Mm -hmm. I just want to say to anyone with a penis, if you are ejaculating, like if you can make it past two minutes of penetration before you ejaculate, you're winning because biologically bodies are wired with penises to ejaculate within the first two minutes. Oh, wow. It's a function of reproduction. Yeah. So it's like, if you're making it past two minutes, like good damn job because you're fight, you're like winning against evolution. <laughs> yeah. If you do that. And there are people who manage their ejaculation in such a way or learn to manage it in such a way that they never even need to actually ejaculate, but they are multi-orgasmic and not ejaculating. So there's a whole spectrum, but basically the cock makes the man is the bullshit that we're taught. And if the cock isn't functioning, then we can demean and diminish the man. And through patriarchy and colonialism and everything, we've learned to that power and control is the most valuable assets to have as a human. And so we, you get your power and your control from your hard giant cock. So that's like a way out here, um, big umbrella reason why we talk about it so much. And then let's zoom in. (sighs) Mm -hmm. Pornography and even, you know, just like rated PG-13 movies (laughs) show that a woman is satisfied by a man. Like it's the man's job and his honor and his worth is based on how well he can like pleasure a woman. Not all things represent it that way, but that's like the overarching thing. So if you ejaculate quote unquote too soon, or if you want to phrase it a way that I would phrase it is if you ejaculate before you would prefer, before your partner would prefer, Mm -hmm. 
And if your erection isn't as hard or as big or as sustained as you want it to be, or your partner wants it to be, then you're incapable of satisfying a woman because society and culture has made the success factor of sex to be penis in vagina Mm -hmm. reaching orgasm. Yeah. Here's the deal though, people. (laughs) You may already know this and I hope you do. (laughs) We don't need penises in vaginas for orgasmic states. We don't need penises in vaginas for satisfying sex. We don't need penises in vaginas for to feel powerful, to feel like we're in control of our lives and of ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's just like all these misconceptions are so ridiculous. And I feel grateful to be living in a time and a place where it seems like we're, we're like starting to get that. More and more people are starting to get that. And I have to be reminded that the people I surround myself with being a coach on sexuality, self-expression and deconditioning and removing ourselves from all the bullshit we're taught that's not true. I'm around the expanded consciousness away from the crap that comes from colonial patriarchy conditioning that took over the whole world. And there's a lot of you listening that like your Facebook feed and Instagram feed's not the same as mine. So I just have to like, remember there are so many people who this might be the first time you're ever hearing this. And if it is, I hope you listen again. I hope you put the podcast on repeat. Yes. It's a really important message. And I agree that I do think in recent years, there has been a lot of progress towards really valuing the other ways that somebody can experience sexual pleasure. That's outside of, to your point, what was traditionally shown, I think, in a lot of the mainstream pornography. And so I think that we are really working to erase that misconception I do think there are probably other misconceptions around these two conditions that we're discussing. And so are there any other misconceptions that you have learned about in your professional experience that you've kind of worked to coach people through and to really educate people on? Mm. I'm actually going to use this moment to refer people out to a woman named Caitlin V, like just the letter V. Mm -hmm. Caitlin is C-A-I-T-L-I-N. She is on YouTube, has, I don't even know now, I can't keep track because it just grows so much, but over 250,000 viewers, probably over 300 or 500,000 by now, and over 15 million views on her videos last I knew, which again is probably way higher, but she specializes and she does use these terms, premature ejaculation, PE and ED, erectile dysfunction. And she probably has like 40 videos on misconceptions around penises and sex. And I want to say her audience is very heteronormative. So if you want, maybe reach out to her. If you are a cock-bodied human that doesn't identify hetero or cis male to ask what other resources are out there that could have you feel more included and do less emotional labor to learn about all of this. Um, But I myself... I think I've named the misconceptions that I can think of so far. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that sounds like an amazing resource. Clearly, I feel like each specific case could be its own podcast and probably a multi-series podcast. So I think it's definitely great to refer people out to her. Mm-hmm. And I guess before we move off of any cockbody specific conditions, are there any others maybe that are lesser known that maybe people are curious about that you would also refer them to Caitlin to learn more about? 
it's not necessarily a, it's not a medical quote unquote disorder, mm-hmm. but performance anxiety is huge mm-hmm. for men. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. here we go. It's huge for men <laughs> because heterosexual cis males are shown as heroes when they're virile. Mm-hmm. I, my voice started when they're virile. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting in character. <laughs> I know, right? When they're virile. <laughs> and can fuck real hard and good. And if a cis het guy, or even, I mean, I can't speak because I don't have the lived experience of a, mm-hmm. a male that's not cis male. If they can't live up to that, they they just have like so much performance anxiety and females do as well. So we will get to that. And when I say females, I mean, vulva bodies. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that as well. But yeah, like performance anxiety it's because of our conditioning. We put so much pressure on ourselves mm-hmm. to meet up to all of these images that we see in sex. Oh my God, just give yourself some grace. When yeah. people take their clothes off in movie scenes, it is so ridiculous. Like, <laughs> you've done sex in real life. You've done sex before, right? It's not that easy it's to never get. never like that. They don't just flow off. Like they get caught no. on things. They pull your hair out. It's kind out, of awkward you know? sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> like I honestly don't think I would really want to see the act of myself undressing because there's no way it would be as sexy as I would like to envision it. There's no way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the performance anxiety comes from a lot of things. In my work, we find a lot of different things, but a big factor is the societal and cultural conditioning around what sex should be like, what it should look like, how your performance should go, how your partner should feel, the facial expressions they should have. Yeah. All of this stuff. So it's like, how much are you shooting on yourself mm-hmm. around your sexuality? And what can you do to remove those shoulds? And I've got a perfect formula for you. Maybe it'll fit in somewhere else in the mm-hmm. podcast. We can talk about that. Ooh, interesting. I love that. Also love that you said shitting all over ourselves. I think the first time I heard that I was watching Sex in the City and I was like, oh my gosh, Carrie is so clever. And of course she didn't come up with that, but love to hear it in another context. And yeah, Mm -hmm. I love that you also mentioned the fact that performance anxiety is so huge. And I think it's very unfairly attributed to men because vulva-bodied people experience anxiety in the bedroom too. I've experienced anxiety. The key difference is if I experience anxiety, it doesn't physically impact my ability to have sex. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you're a cock-bodied person, yeah, it can definitely impact your ability to get an erection, maintain an erection. And then all of a sudden there's this manifestation of your anxiety. And that I honestly Mm -hmm. do not envy people Mm -hmm. who have penises and have to perform in that way, because it is quite a bit to live up to based on societal expectations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the most common things that's not a disorder, but falls in this category that like makes you quote unquote dysfunctional in sex that happens a lot for cis females is their mind being consumed by the dirty like sheets on the floor or the to-do list or the grocery list and things like that. That is actually like a stereotype that I have found pretty consistent. What I'm saying is in my work, And I'm not saying this is a scientific fact or a statistic, but in the hundreds of people I've worked with, cis females present that busy mind more often than cis males do. 
And there is some brain chemistry stuff out there, but because medical studies have been done on the binary, it might actually not be true, Mm. but I'll tell you what, what it is and take it wherever you want. That cis females have a a larger vigilance center in their brain. Mm -hmm. And so they're more prone to like wanting to fit in and wanting to be like good enough and perfect enough. Mm -hmm. And so their mind can start chattering a lot about all the things they need to do to be good enough or perfect enough outside the bedroom. And it can also start chattering a lot about, does my face look okay? Does my hair look okay? And again, media perpetuates that shit by showing us women being all, well, women, cis females being all preoccupied about that so often in movies and things like that. The first thing that comes to mind is, I don't know if you saw the movie, What Women Want. Mm -hmm. I'm not great at remembering them. Yeah. So I don't really remember details either because I remember actually, this is maybe a little weird. I think it came out when I was around 10. I definitely saw it in theaters with my mom, an awkward movie you see with your mom potentially. And so I remember just general themes, but I do think that generally it was very in line with what you're saying in terms of the thought processes around any sex or any attraction to men being very much rooted in stereotypical expectations of how women should be behaving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that would probably be a good movie to watch as a step in the direction of recognizing all the shoulds that you should on yourself around yes. sexuality because you've been told that you're supposed to be a certain way. One of the really cool things about the Erotic Blueprint Breakthrough journey that I offer is that we learn it's not based on the genitals between your legs, your arousal and turn on type. We have quiz statistics. The last time that I analyzed them, it was over 273,000 people had taken the quiz and it checks for cis, male, cis, female, I think maybe non-binary and trans. Mm -hmm. And I think it says trans, male, trans, female. So unfortunately the trans options are just on the binary. My point is if I ask the audience, which blueprint do you think most cis males are? Mm-hmm. Most I have people my would answer. Say sexual, right? Yeah, yeah. And then if we ask which blueprint do you think most cis females are, what I'll let you answer this one. What, which one would you say? I would guess sensual. Sensual. Mm-hmm. Yes, because that's mostly what we see in media representation. Mm-hmm. Females are sensual, males are sexual. Females like romance and cuddling and lots of foreplay, and males like sticking their cock in things and ejaculating. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so on the quiz, these 273,000 responses, it was only 22% of males who tested as sexual. Wow. So what that means is the media is missing 78% of cis male population, 78 fucking percent of men think that they're less virile, less amazing, less potent, less impactful, less strong, less manly mm-hmm. than they should be because they don't fall into the virility of a sexual blueprint. So that should give you some grace if you're hearing this and you're a man who likes 
tease and space and anticipation and gazing into each other's eyes, then you're okay. 78% yeah. of people don't fall into the sexual of cis males. And then on the cis female side, I think it was around 30%. I, mm-hmm. It may be 33, but I know the other one was 22. So I'm like, is it those double digits both times, like the same uh-huh. number twice? But anyway, 30%. So 70% of women are not being seen, represented, and normalized. 73% mm-hmm. of cis females' actual sexual nature is not being honored, recognized, represented, and normalized in the media. Wow. That's so wild. So these are reasons why <laughs> these freaking quote unquote disorders are given so much attention. Yeah. Wow. There's a lot of work to do to reverse that. I don't even know where we as a society begin because I think the work has started. But to your point, there still would be that assumption that men are largely sexual, women are largely sensual. Even myself, knowing that it couldn't possibly be 90% on each side, I was not expecting the numbers to differ that greatly. So. Yeah, it's so low. It's so low. And that is why the erotic blueprints changed my life forever. Because I believe our turn on and arousal is the compass that lights the path to what is a yes and what's a no for us mm-hmm. and what shows us what we're shooting on ourselves and what's our actual truth. And so I was so disconnected from my turn on. And then I started getting connected to it, which is great, about three years before I came across the erotic blueprints. Mm -hmm. And so when I saw the erotic blueprints and when I got to see myself through the erotic blueprint breakthrough journey, I was like, my God, I'm not broken sexually. I'm just highly energetic and a shapeshifter. I'm not sensual. That's why I laugh like on the inside to myself when people do all the like romantic gestures and stuff, because it doesn't turn me on and they're doing it to turn me on because they saw in the movies that because I have a vagina, that's what I'm going to love. Or because I identify as this female, that's what I'm going to love. Yeah. And I don't. And I just think representation matters obviously in all areas, but I feel like we don't often think about sexual representation and Mm -hmm. erotic representation. Yeah. Orientation and desire and yeah. What turns us on and what turns us off? It's so monolithic. It's bullshit. And like we said, there's not enough queer representation in mainstream media. If you're looking for it, yes, there's a whole genre, but come on, let's get it into the mainstream. Yeah, absolutely. So to kind of close out the topic of sexual health, I think oftentimes, like I mentioned, we definitely talk about the cock-bodied health. I don't want to say issues again. I'm really just trying to be very cognizant of the phrases that I use. (laughs) Yeah, health stuff. But oftentimes, I feel like we don't necessarily cover what that looks like for a vulva-bodied person. And so I did a little bit of research just to kind of understand what are some of the more common but lesser Mm -hmm. known things that vulva-bodied people deal with. And so mm-hmm. I learned a little bit about vaginismus, dyspare, I should have looked up how to dyspareunuria, dyspareunuria, and then vulvodynia. And I have to say, I personally didn't know anything about these, even though I have a vulva myself. I would love just maybe a quick definition from your understanding for anyone who's curious. Yeah. So I am not a huge sexual health expert. 
And I did want to say this before we started talking about them and I forgot, like, this is not medical Mm -hmm. advice and disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. Yes. So vaginismus is like, have you ever had a spasm in your back muscles? Yes. So (laughs) that can be debilitating. And that's what's going on in your vagina. Like there are so many muscles in your pelvic bowl. Mm -hmm. And they can contract or spasm super hard. And Mm -hmm. just like with your back, it's painful. And they can do it in response oftentimes to pressure or touch. And so intercourse can make it contract. Now, Mm. orgasmic energy in the vagina is like pulsing contractions, like contracting, letting go, contracting, letting go, contracting, letting go. And -hmm. sometimes like the super hard climaxes are like a contraction And that's Mm -hmm. kind of when we go, ah, you know, because it's like, oh my gosh. But like, it can be very painful Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. the muscles aren't letting go, just like a spasm in the back. Yeah. And then this one is fun to try to (laughs) try to pronounce. (laughs) Oh, I did want to say we're going to name those three and define them. And one of the things I found is that when there's a name or a vocabulary for it, it Mm -hmm. suddenly becomes overcomable. Because it's like contained in a box. It's not some like mysterious ethereal thing. So listening in on this, like maybe, maybe some people will discover, oh my gosh, that's what's going on with me. And they, they never knew before. So (laughs) dyspareunia, I said it wrong when you were trying to say it. (laughs) Dyspareunia (laughs) is when sex is painful. Intercourse, Mm -hmm. I should say, because let's define sex as not just intercourse, please. Mm-hmm. but we're so conditioned. Even I still say sex. So intercourse is difficult or painful for you. And it could be for like a myriad, a myriad of reasons. Maybe it's because of vaginismus or vulvodonia or something else. Mm-hmm. And so that can be somewhat mysterious to resolve. Um, and I know you mm-hmm. said quick definitions. I'm going to say very quickly, I'm going to say something that we would maybe term as woo woo. And when we've been conditioned to call things woo-woo, when it's bringing spirit and energy into our physical body, into our physical realm, because we Mm -hmm. were taught by patriarchy and white supremacy and colonialism to separate spirit from the body. And Mm -hmm. so it's woo-woo or magic or weird or scary or from the devil when we bring those together. But what Mm -hmm. I want to say is with dyspareunia, sometimes it can be energetic or an emotional thing, that which we cannot Mm. see. We say woo-woo when we attribute like the reason something's happening to that which Mm -hmm. we cannot see. Oftentimes in the medical world, they just look at the physical. They look at the vulvodonia or the vaginismus or STIs or all of these things. But really, we're we need to teach ourselves to look beyond the physical into the energetic Mm. and the emotional. And the Mm -hmm. energetic and emotional issues can also be causing the vaginismus or the vulvodonia. So Mm -hmm. vulvodonia is chronic pain um, that happens in the vulva area. And if you don't know what like the difference between vulva and vagina is, the vulva is all the stuff on the outside that you can see. Mm -hmm. And the vagina is the canal on the inside. Mm -hmm. And so vulvodonia can be extremely painful, like burning and irritation Mm -hmm. and it can be very mysterious to resolve and overcome. And medical, traditional allopathic medical facilities might tell you 
this is just how it is. And you're going to have this for the rest of your life. Same with oh, wow. vaginismus and same with disper- <laughs> dyspareunia. Mm-hmm. Like where, who the hell thought that something so difficult to talk about in the first place was going to be aptly named with a word that nobody can freaking pronounce. Yeah. Like it's not daunting <laughs> enough as it is, as a condition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, it can make you not want to have sex. It can make yeah. you hate yourself. It can make you feel like you're broken and disordered and dysfunctional and all mm-hmm. this crap. And so again, just like when we started out this section, it's like, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing broken. You're just experiencing some symptoms. Mm-hmm. And we like to point straight to the physical and that it's like the physical's fault, but really there might be something ethereal going on. That's my jam where I work in these realms when people want to overcome any sexual challenges or issues. We really look at the emotional and energetic and freaking resolve stuff. Oh, I want to say I had chronic yeast infections Mm. for years. And I Mm. found out that my mom had them her whole life. Oh, wow. Okay. And so woo woo, I went to Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, the book by Christiane Northrup. Unfortunately, it's called Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom. It should be like vulva bodies, (laughs) vulva Mm. wisdom. And because anybody with a vulva, that book's very helpful. But anyway, Mm -hmm. I saw in the book that yeast infections were attributed to resentment toward men. That's the woo-woo. That's the energetic. That's the emotional. So I had been doing the like three-day yeast thing, the one-day yeast thing way back when I started getting yeast infections. You had to do it for seven days. Mm. And I just did that over and over again, like every other week. Like they were so chronic. And then I saw this woo-woo thing about resentment toward men. And I went so deep into trying to address and resolve and give space, time, and attention. So like, what do you have to teach me? Resentment Mm -hmm. toward men. And it definitely resonated with me Mm. at the time. And so I healed that resentment toward men. And I haven't had a yeast infection for six or seven years. Oh, wow. What was that process of the feeling like? (laughs) Looking at my relationships and we can't go into it here because my family's asked me to not talk about them, but with my brothers Mm. and my dad. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Looking at at all the bullshit of childhood trauma and crap and Mm. healing myself in those so that it's just like that adage about like forgiveness is for you, not for them. Yeah. And so that resentment was affecting me, not them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. affecting me so much that I had, pardon me for the details, but like constant cottage cheese inside of my vagina constantly. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it, it was awful. Yeah. And again, traditional medicine for my case of yeast infections didn't meet the mark. Wow. That is really powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's amazing. So I know in our first discussion, we talked quite a bit about your personal journey to orgasm and the difficulties that you had had initially as you were experiencing your sexuality, but you hadn't fully embraced it, hadn't fully explored the depths of it. And so I know we discussed that at length, but you know, maybe to a different degree to take a different take on it. I would love to discuss maybe women who are capable of having an orgasm or vulva body people who are capable of having an orgasm 
And again, this is absolutely not a disorder. I feel like it's very common among vulva-bodied people to maybe be able to make yourself orgasm, but then have difficulty when you are having partnered sex. And I think Mm -hmm. that leads really well into sexual communication with a partner. And I would love to hear your advice or your input on how do you improve the sexual chemistry, so to speak, with a partner? And then how does chemistry and just your communication really impact difficulty that vulva body people might be having with orgasm? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So anorgasmia is the term for incapable of orgasming. And again, like I wouldn't say incapable, um, you just mm-hmm. haven't yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you haven't yet orgasmed or have had difficulty consistently um, experiencing orgasmic states and climax. So <laughs> my short answer is do the erratic blueprint breakthrough journey with mm-hmm. me. <laughs> yeah. And what that consists of is discover your erratic blueprint. Mm-hmm. So they can go to my website and take the quiz, the erratic blueprint quiz through my website. Mm-hmm. That gives you information and terms and it's cool. And it can totally make big impacts and changes in your life. And it usually does. Mm -hmm. And there's so much more, so much more. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like leaps and bounds of evolution because you're getting vocabulary through the quiz and through the quiz results. You're getting conversation pieces to talk about with your partner. Your partner can take it and you can take it. And then you Mm -hmm. discuss your results and your reactions to the different questions. Basically, each question asks you to pick which one is like the hottest turn on for you. And Mm -hmm. there's one of each of the five. You know, it's like, what would arouse you the most? And then there's five different choices and one is each of the blueprints. So Mm -hmm. to improve chemistry with a partner, basic thing is understanding your own eroticism. Mm -hmm. So many of us don't actually understand our own. I didn't understand my own and I'm still learning now how to because I grew up Catholic and never physically masturbated hand to vulva regina. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't like discover my body and what I love through doing that. And also I followed protocol from my best friend Mm -hmm. on how sex acts go. Interesting. I did not, my like animal, my real self, my primal self, my erotic self wasn't leading me. She said, you make out and then the hands start going here and then (laughs) the hands start going there and then the clothes start going off and then the hand goes down the pants and then you keep making out. So I just followed the step-by-step. And so I didn't freaking know my eroticism. I was probably like, if there's a spectrum, I was like way over there on the like, has no fucking clue and just <laughs> goes through the motions person. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then there's people who have these amazing sexual discovery histories. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, so envious when I hear those and wish yeah. that was mine. So number one, understand your own. And yeah. the erotic blueprint framework is an amazing way to understand your own sexual chemistry or sexual, your own eroticism and yeah, sexual chemistry, like with yourself. Yeah. And then second would be know and understand your partners. So all Mm -hmm. of that resentment and bullshit that happens between the two of you and you think that you're sexually incompatible happens over time. 
what we found in the erratic blueprint coaching realm, there's over 200 of us. So if I'm not a match for you, I will refer you out to someone who is, I got 200 people to choose from. Mm-hmm. But what we found is that when two people get together at first, oftentimes they're both in their sexual blueprint mm-hmm. because it's that like new relationship energy and just like, Oh man, I'm going to fuck this person so hard. <laughs> you know, like there's just like ah, energy. And so what happens is that if that's not your blueprint over time, it could be a week, it could be three months, it could be a year, it could be three years. You've both patterned yourselves to approach each other from that sexual blueprint way. Mm-hmm. Like, let's get it on. Let's get naked fast and get it on. Mm-hmm. That you like, you don't have a pattern of your erotic authenticity showing mm-hmm. up with each yeah. other. Mm-hmm. And so... First step, learn your own erotic authenticity. Second step, learn your partner's partner or partner's mm-hmm. erotic authenticity. I just made that term up, so I'm having a hard time remembering it. <laughs> erotic <laughs> authenticity. And in doing that journey, you learn that sexual incompatibility is actually a myth mm, okay. and that you just don't understand your own or the others or you get hierarchical and think that sex should be this way Mm -hmm. and your partner's not that way and you run into issues. There's a lot of shadows. There's a lot of shadows. There's superpowers and shadows for each of the five. Mm -hmm. So the quiz doesn't give you like the decoder to sexual quote unquote incompatibility that you're experiencing. Yeah. I love that you said that there is no incompatibility and it's just a matter of understanding because I feel like that opens up a lot of different opportunities that people might not explore if they aren't open to the fact that they just, you know, might need to do a little bit more digging into self-discovery and then discovery of their partner. But I guess Mm -hmm. I'm curious, not everyone is fortunate enough to have a partner who is so open to discussing sexuality Mm -hmm. and it can be for a number of reasons. And so I guess what would you recommend to someone who is willing to go on this journey of exploration to improve their sex life and better understand themselves and their partner, but is maybe with someone or multiple people who are not quite there yet? How do you kind Mm -hmm. of, is it salvageable? And if so, how do you do it in a way that's delicate and isn't going to scare people away? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is something difficult to tread on your own because... (sighs) Like you're not a therapist and you can turn into like trying to be a therapist or trying to fix your partner, try to change Mm -hmm. them. And a third party expert who does this with people all day, every day, such as myself knows how to hold space, hold space. So if you're going to try to do it on your own, accept your partner as they are, Mm -hmm. give them space and try not to pressure them into talking about things they don't want to talk about. I know that can be infuriating and frustrating and feel like you'll never get anywhere with them. And you might not on your own. You might need to hire a professional. Mm -hmm. My favorite mantra, and I use it throughout my coaching relationships, is only go as fast as the slowest part of Mm -hmm. someone feels Mm -hmm. safe to go. Mm -hmm. Now, there are people who are keeping themselves fucking stuck. And if you're with a partner who is unwilling to take personal responsibility, unwilling to address, unwilling to seek the help that they might need, and they're just giving you lip service for years and years about, or months and months, whatever, about, you know, they're going to work on it. They're going to change. They want to be able to talk about it. You might just need to carry on if they're, they're not stepping up. 
And yeah. I say that because I was one of them. Mm. I was that way. We call it curiosity stage. We've got five stages of sexuality in the erotic blueprint framework. And this stage is called curiosity where I read all of the books or bought all the books and didn't actually read them. Mm-hmm. Looked online and did all this stuff to try to address my anorgasmia and my inability to talk about sex with my partners. I couldn't, mm-hmm. like I couldn't because of my childhood upbringing of how threatening it was if I tried to. And so um, threatening of not belonging and being rejected by my parents because of the Catholicism stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I was stuck in curiosity from age 17 to 31. Mm-hmm. That's a mm-hmm. lot of years. And yeah. I told all my partners like, I'm working on it. I want to be able to da da da. Mm-hmm. I didn't show up. And you know what? Sometimes a person isn't ready. And the slowest part of me wasn't ready. Then there's the other side of the coin where I just was staying in my own way. Mm -hmm. And I was ready, but I was in my own way. Mm -hmm. So again, my answer, how to communicate your sexual needs and preferences and get through that with a partner, do the erratic blueprint breakthrough journey. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely amazing. And one thing we didn't address in your previous question is um, people having difficulty orgasming or climaxing, Mm -hmm. you will. When you know your erotic authenticity and you know what that means about your body and how it was wired, I'll teach you what kind of touch you like, how you like to be spoken to. Remember when I changed my voice to explain the erotic Mm -hmm. blueprints in a bunch of different ways, your tone, your body posture, all kinds of stuff um, feeds it either arouses or turns off, turns on or turns off mm-hmm. you somewhere along the spectrum. You could be neutral about some things. So the difficulty orgasming, the difficulty communicating, the sexual incompatibility all resolved with the erotic movement breakthrough journey. Honestly, I can't think of a better motivation to sign up. Honestly, <laughs> that's quite a promise. So, wow. Yeah. And like at risk of making this sound like, you know, sales pitch the whole entire time, like you can get it for a thousand bucks through my website, like just the video course, or you can go on like a giant, amazing journey with me. Um, yeah. We make it super accessible and we can do payment plans or whatever you need. So I don't mean for this to be <laughs> no. <laughs> like talking about it the whole time, but quite honestly, like thousands of people, my life changed. I watched the Erotic Blueprint course, it's eight modules. And mm-hmm. at the end of module two, my life changed. Wow. I was like, oh my God, I could finally see myself. I wasn't broken anymore. I wasn't like a piece of shit at sex and always going to be dissatisfied my whole entire life. Mm-hmm. Like there was nothing wrong with me. I had vocabulary now and all of the things that were missing that we don't get. Yeah. Like I said, it's the sex ed that we all deserve and never got. So never. like as an adult, what's a thousand bucks? Like, yeah. I mean, for great sex, <laughs> great sex is priceless. Yeah, totally. So out of curiosity, if people were to explore the erotic blueprint, would this also give them tools to feel comfortable, you know, maybe introducing sex toys in the bedroom with a partner that they haven't or discussing kinks with a partner and also maybe trying to break down what is a kink versus what's just a preference? Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. So. A lot of vulva-bodied and cis female people, and I'm not equating those two, but 
a lot of cis females feel like there's something wrong with them because a vibrator doesn't work. Mm, I had a client who was turning 60 in July. She started working with me in like February that year. And she wanted to have her first orgasm ever before she turned 60 because she hadn't. Oh, wow. Guess what? She owned a bajillion vibrators because mm-hmm. all of her friends told her like, this one works for me. Oh my God, this one will blow your mind. Da, da, da. Yeah. Like yeah. hundreds and thousands of dollars people spend on oh, sex wow. toys that are supposed to work for them, mm-hmm. but they don't. And guess what? She's an energetic. Mm-hmm. She is not a sexual. Yeah. A vibrator and a dildo is a sexual blueprint toy. Mm-hmm. So if you've spent hundreds or thousands of dollars, hey, we're going to make that back for you in your $1,000 <laughs> online course journey or your $10,000 year-long journey with me. Mm-hmm. Like You're going to make that back over the course of your life because you'll stop wasting your damn money on sex toys that are incompatible for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like wow. Between two people... Like the human, the sexual blueprint human versus the sexual blueprint toy, the toy can't morph. The toy does one thing. But (laughs) if you're an energetic and you're with a sexual human, you can learn how to bridge and meet each other. So in discussing kinks and taboo things that you might want to try with each other, there can be a lot more understanding and love and compassion, empathy and motivation and excitement. An understanding of why it's important to your partner that you're asking for the thing and why it's important to your partner that they're asking you for the thing. So there's just like a whole lot more openness and love and excitement when Mm -hmm. you're in tune with your erratic authenticity and you understand and know each other's blueprints. And so the definition between like a kink and a, a preference, this is like somewhat debatable. And then there's some like hard line, like this is what this means. A kink is going to be something that you feel is taboo and Mm -hmm. like, Ooh, that turns you on and you want to try it. Mm -hmm. And then a preference, like you don't have that like taboo Mm. sensation about it. Mm -hmm. I myself am like a voyeur and an exhibitionist. Mm -hmm. And I know that's super naughty and like not okay. And not like, it's totally taboo, but Mm -hmm. it turns me on to like, so it's a kink for me and a preference. Like the fact that it's taboo makes the turn on even higher for me. Mm. But like, say I do, say I'm at like some sex club or something. And there's a few different times I do something where in an exhibitionist manner where everybody else can see the turn on about it, like goes down because Mm. the taboo aspect of it, I'm like, then they're done that tonight. You know, like the taboo aspect goes away. Yeah. I think that's very helpful context. I think to your point, the taboo nature of it, you know, really being associated with kinks specifically is really helpful. And I guess to give a niche example, like let's say you had someone who maybe grew up in colony or some sort of community where there's a nudist Mm -hmm. aspect or something like that. Then, you know, maybe being naked in public, like for some people that could be a kink, but for them, it wouldn't be a kink, right? Because to them, it's totally normalized. And so there isn't a Mm -hmm. taboo associated. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Okay. That makes sense. So I guess, you know, one other question I had in terms of communicating with your partner, I know the erotic blueprint, it really is the gateway to having this communication really leads to very satisfying sex. But I think Oftentimes you may be in a situation where you have a varying sex drive from your partner and 
in that case, I'm sure communication can help as well, but there's only so far that communication can go because you're not going to expect one person to drastically reduce or drastically increase their sex drive. So what's your recommendation for people who are dealing with that Mm -hmm. in a partnership? (sighs) What is so cool when I learned I was an energetic blueprint, which meant I wanted space and tease. I didn't want to get naked right away and get to penetration. And when me Mm -hmm. and my partner at the time realized that, and I got the space and I got the anticipation, I also have a dark energetic about me. So it means like I like to be stalked. And so he would like mm. be two feet behind me in the, not right behind me because of the energetic aspect, two feet mm-hmm. behind me as I'm washing the dishes. And I, mm-hmm. d- he, I didn't notice he got there. And then all of a sudden I would feel his energy mm-hmm. and feel that stalking, like your prey energy. And I would look back. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of things that are arousing and a turn on and fill the tank, mm. fill the tank of the energetic. Mm-hmm. And so I had no libido. None before we learned. Mm. I had gotten to the point of no libido before we got introduced to the erotic blueprint breakthrough course. And the reason is what I said earlier when our relationship started out, it was hot and heavy in the sexual. Turns out he was a primary sexual blueprint. And so he wanted to keep going Mm -hmm. because he was totally satisfied. But I'm an energetic shapeshifter. So I needed tons of variety, Mm -hmm. but my energetic was so in shadow that it needed all the space, all the anticipation, all the tease to come into a space where my tank was full and I wasn't being taken from. Mm -hmm. It felt like I was raping myself by consenting to the sex Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. was desired because my tank wasn't full and I didn't want it. My body didn't want it. But again, society tells you Mm -hmm. if in cishet relationships, if you're the woman, you need to satisfy your man because he'll leave you for somebody else because somebody else will satisfy him if you don't. And so these varying sex drives, honestly, the understanding the erotic blueprints in the journey, you learn how to feed, how to speak to, and how to heal and how to expand Mm -hmm. each of Mm -hmm. your erotic authenticity, your erotic blueprints. And when you do that, your sex drives come into calibration together because you're filling your own and each other's cups by your life choices. So we'll Mm -hmm. take sex outside of the bedroom for a minute. If you're a central blueprint that is affected by your environment, that's one of the stereotypes in the erotic blueprint realm is that all sensual people need their environment to be like organized and beautiful. I'm now Mm -hmm. identifying Mm -hmm. highly as sensual It has nothing fucking to do. You should see how messy this room is right now. Like there's shit (laughs) everywhere. And I am so here with you. (laughs) A sensual shadow would have Mm -hmm. all this shit everywhere. And if it pulled me out of my pleasure or presence, that's a sensual shadow. So Mm -hmm. anyway, if you're essential about your environment outside the bedroom, make sure your car is like nice and clean and beautiful. Make sure it smells Mm -hmm. good inside your car. Make sure your desk at work Mm. is like a beautiful landscape that titillates all of your senses. You got something that smells, you got beautiful things to look at, Mm. you play these amazing sounds throughout the day and feed yourself. Mm -hmm. And so all I could go off about all the blueprints and give examples, but what you realize and what you learn is you are turned off and turned on 
all day long. Mm -hmm. You're somewhere on that spectrum bouncing around. And when you know your blueprint, you start doing more, more things and having more things outside of sex acts that feed and Mm -hmm. speak to your blueprint. So then your sex drive goes up because your tank's full. Mm, Wow. My God, this is so empowering, truly, because I feel like so many of the topics we've broached, like even varying sex drives, it just seems like this daunting thing. And like, I think society really reinforces like, oh, it is what it is. That's just who you are. And it's really empowering to know that there are so many things that you can do to break out of this box and this understanding of Mm -hmm. yourself. Yeah. And to that note, you just reminded me, your sex drives are, are different that's just how it's going to be. We looked at your physical bodies. We looked at your, maybe we looked at your biochemistry and it just is what it is. What I just explained about the car and the workspace is emotional and energetic. Mm -hmm. So we look at the energetics and the emotions. It's the missing link in allopathic medicinal approaches to sexual quote unquote disorders, dysfunctions, complications, issues, and challenges we need to be looking at the emotional and the energetic aspects. And that's what we do. They're called the four obstacles and opportunities, obstacles and opportunities for sexual health and vitality. So we do that thoroughly. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I think, you know, obviously people are so much more than their hormone levels, but oftentimes when we discuss sexual desire and sexual issues and sexual difficulties people might be having, that is what it attributed Mm -hmm. to. And yeah, it's so much more than that. Yeah. And so one of the things that I wanted to mention that I said, maybe it will fit in later is coming up now. And what that is, is along the lines of this energetic and emotional, we just miss, we miss that, Mm -hmm. miss that mark in our journeys of coming into our erotic authenticity. Mm-hmm. And so the systematic approach that actually was born through me in a podcast interview mm-hmm. in 2020, early 2020, is called Authentic Evolution. Mm-hmm. And what we do is we look at all of those shoulds. Those mm-hmm. shoulds create so much emotional and energetic turmoil on your body and shut you the fuck down like so much. It's mm-hmm. awful, so terrible. And so the authentic evolution is a very easy, succinct seven-step process Mm -hmm. to look at those shoulds and to, by the end, reclaim your truth and your authenticity that you were born to be and born to live, in this case, in your sexuality and your eroticism and your turn-on and your arousal. Mm -hmm. And then we can branch that out in, in the way that you want your environment set up and all of the other things that feed and speak to your turn-on and your arousal so that you can, like you heal the full spectrum of your life. And so Mm -hmm. on the website, they'll see the erotic blueprints. They can access the quiz there. They can access a purchase of the program. And we can actually, Mm -hmm. will you make up a discount code for them right now? We'll give them 15% off of the erotic blueprint breakthrough course. Oh my gosh, I love that. that? Mm -hmm. What should we make the discount be? Let's make it interstates. Heartbreak sounds too negative. (laughs) Yeah. So use the discount code interstates for erotic blueprint breakthrough course, and you'll get 15% off of that. And you can use the code interstates and you can get 15% off the authentic evolution. And 
if you want to be guided through that, because the sad truth is only 10% or less of people actually go through video programs that they buy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So if you want to realize your investment and go into coaching with me, I do four month to 12 month to 18 month to 24 month journeys, depending on the overhaul you want in your life. And so Mm -hmm. uh, folks tell me that it's like the rite of passage into adulthood that they never received. They say uh, things like, I finally have like my adult legs underneath me and I'm not operating from that inner child all the time and things like this. So like I said, it starts at a grand. If you want to do the erratic movement breakthrough course, I think the authentic evolution might be like seven or 800, but you're mm-hmm. going to get 15% off. And then those journeys are anywhere from 10 to a hundred thousand dollars. If you want to mm-hmm. do like a giant life overhaul. Yeah. So transformative. And yeah, I mean, what an amazing discount to invest in yourself. So mm-hmm. really thank yeah. you for offering that. Thanks for making it up on the fly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was so exciting. Cool. So I'd love to close out with a few questions. And, you know, like I mentioned at the top of the episode, I think some of these are maybe common things that people have dealt with in their own personal sexual lives with partners. And also, you know, just maybe some things that they've just been generally curious about. So I'd love to get your perspective. And the first one, I imagine you might have a strong opinion on it. So I'm actually so excited to ask you this. And it's something I've always been curious about. I feel like oftentimes in the media, we hear so much about Kegels and how vulva-bodied people should be doing them to strengthen their vagina over time for a variety of reasons. And I think oftentimes it can be tied to, you know, maybe your ability to have orgasm or your ability to pleasure your partner during penetrative sex. How effective are Kegels really? What are they effective for? What is your professional opinion on the necessity of doing Kegels? Mm-hmm. Oh boy. This could be <laughs> like a whole podcast episode, but I know we're in the Q&A zone, so I'm going to try to be succinct. It's hit or miss. Mm. Some of us have a chronically tight pelvic floor mm-hmm. and others of us have a perfectly healthy one. And then others of us have like a non-toned we're lacking tone. See, Mm -hmm. I'm watching my way that I say that. Like Mm -hmm. if I said loose, Mm -hmm. there's so much stigma around having a loose vagina Yeah, and lacking tone in the pelvic floor muscles. And so Kegels, (laughs) it's hit or miss. And there's a way that I can self-direct you to feel around inside Mm -hmm. of your vagina to -hmm. get to know where the areas are tight and where the Mm -hmm. areas are not as tight or you know where they're chronically tense and in pain and where they're not. So mm-hmm. Kegels, again, not medical advice. They're hit and miss. They're not for everybody. And some of us have access to only one of the three layers of mm-hmm. pelvic floor muscles. Like when you do a Kegel, you might only be operating one layer or the second layer on the right side and the first layer on the the second side, whatever I said, right side, left side. Mm -hmm. So there are so many um, neural pathways in your body that have been created by um, different emotional and energetic Mm -hmm. experiences and physical Mm -hmm. experiences in your Mm -hmm. life and your biochemistry. So we all know by now, I hope that there's no cookie cutter, (laughs) one answer for everybody. Yes. So be careful about your kegels. And I want to add that my experience with the jade egg practice 
Again, I'm going to name drop um, Saida Desale, which is fun to like try to figure out how to spell. So it's (laughs) like the word said, S-A-I-D with an Mm -hmm. A at the end. So S-A-I-D-A and Desale is D-E-S-I-L-E-T-S. And Saida Desale has JDIG mastery. And Mm. that is, she's the only JDIG teacher that I recommend. There's others who might be more famous or well-known. But Saida's history, she's been doing it for over 25 years now. Mm-hmm. I do believe you can check all this through her. Mm-hmm. She studied directly with Montak Chia, uh, JDIG practice. She was a demo model and did all kinds of stuff mm. with them. And she is very... In her jade egg practice modules, you don't even start putting the egg near your yoni, near your vulva. Mm-hmm. until like the fourth or fifth module and there's eight modules. So it's not like you're easing ram it, it in here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. We are learning how to feel and distinguish between the three layers of muscles in the pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I have learned to be able to do them, to isolate them. And so oh, I wow. can like if the J egg is inside, I can do like the bottom layer, the second and the third, and like push that egg all the way up into my wow. like Z spot and A spot at the I don't even know what those spots are. Base I have so much of my to cervix. Learn. <laughs> and then I can squeeze, you know, the top, the middle, and then the bottom and and push the egg out. Wow. I can pulse them all at the same time, hold them all at the same all of this. It's amazing. Wow. So I highly recommend. Jade Egg Mastery with Sighted SLA mm-hmm. over Kegels any day. Yeah, that sounds really powerful. And I have a very ignorant question. So I think, you know, the G spot is what we commonly hear about. You mentioned the Z spot, the A spot. Are there spots ranging from A to Z or is it just... <laughs> so That's so fun. That's so fun. I believe there's another spot called the M spot. Okay. So the G spot... A misconception is you'll see all the time in magazines and stuff. It's about two knuckles in. Mm-hmm. No, it's not mine. You don't even have to, you barely put half of your fingertip in there and boom, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's mine. And there's a bunch of campaigning to stop calling it the G spot. It was named mm-hmm. after a man, blah, blah, blah. It's your um, urethral sponge, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. There's all kinds of stuff we could talk about about it, but like A spot, M spot, Z spot, there's so many, but those ones are in the depths, like where you're the bottom of your cervix makes a U-turn and comes back into the vaginal canal. Mm-hmm. They're all super deep in that area. Okay. And no, I don't know. I don't know that. I mean, yeah, there's 26 erratic, super erratic spots inside of every vagina, I would say. Have we found them all yet? I don't know. But I do yeah. know that G, A, M, and Z are spots that have been named. Wow. So fascinating. <laughs> okay. Thank you for humoring my question. I was like, I know this is so silly, but I had to ask. Yeah, yeah. It's all good. And I think the point of that is your erotic authenticity is actually infinitely filled with possibilities. Yeah, yeah. And you can always learn and grow and discover new things about your body. Mm-hmm. There, I forgot the term for it, but there's a way to penetrate a cock body. Mm-hmm. And it's actually behind, there's these pockets behind the the testicles. Mm -hmm. I forgot the name of this. 
And I don't recommend doing it without mm. lots of patience and slowness, but there's actual two holes that can be penetrated Oh wow! on a cock body. Wow. This comes into play when somebody may not identify as, I mean, it comes into play on any body that has it, mm -hmm. but it can be very helpful and useful to be penetrated that way mm -hmm. through these orifices when you don't identify as a cis male and mm -hmm. you want to be penetrated and you want to have that experience. Yeah. Wow. That's so fascinating. So much to explore to your point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's infinite. Yeah. So I guess kind of going into some of the other questions. So I think these are a little bit more focused on partnered sex and also just, you know, differences in preference and communication. So my mm -hmm. first question would be, how do you broach a conversation about porn if two people are very passionate about it, but on opposite sides of the spectrum? So let's say you have someone who really values porn in their turn on and arousal experience. And then you have someone who is maybe very opposed to porn. Like, how would you recommend broaching that if two people feel that it's not something that they want to compromise on immediately? Mm -hmm. So there's a communication technique that comes with the certification I have called Accelerated Evolution. Mm -hmm. And it's called a dyad. And that term is used in all kinds of methodologies. But in the Accelerated Evolution dyad, it is a a formal communication technique where you cannot interrupt each other if you're going to play by the rules and you face each other and give each other full contact and presence. Mm -hmm. And you look up upon each other as in accelerated evolution, we say a conscious being with choice. Mm -hmm. And what that means is there's nothing wrong with the human in front of you. They mm -hmm. are a conscious being with full choice, full capability and you're just seeing them in, in that divinity. Mm -hmm. Because in this situation, it's like, what's wrong with you? You love porn too much. You're cheating on me with the porn. And then the other person's like, what's wrong with you? You prude, da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. So we're, we get rid of all of that. We come into our higher self and see, look upon each other as conscious beings with choice, give full mm -hmm. contact and full presence. I'm teaching you something that requires like, sometimes two sessions, sometimes 15 for couples mm. to get. And I'm mm -hmm. teaching people this over like airwaves <laughs> on the podcast. So yeah. we'll see how it goes. <laughs> the whole point is to understand or be understood depending on which side of the dyad you're on. So it's mm -hmm. understanding. And you could do a dyad with the instruction, tell me something about pornography. Mm -hmm. Tell me something about porn. And then the other person would answer, with one thing. It's not about knowing the right answer. This is pretty advanced <laughs> when you're actually practicing it. Advanced meaning it can be go, it can advance and go deep and deeply evolve and accelerate your evolution as a human, hence the term mm -hmm. accelerated evolution. Mm -hmm. So it's not about making up an answer or having the right answer or filtering your answers because your partner is going to get pissed because you're mm -hmm. in this container where your partner can only say thank you mm. if they understood you. They can say clarify that if they didn't understand what you said. There's way more instructions than this, but mm -hmm. for the podcast sake, we'll just keep it simple. Mm -hmm. Summarize that. If they said a bunch of stuff and you're not really sure like what the main point was for them or mm -hmm. what they wanted to tell you about porn, 
and then re- repeat that or so, um, say it again if you mm-hmm. didn't hear them. That's okay. the only responses. That's why it's a formal communication. They can only say those things. And then once thank you happens on the one side, it switches over. The person who answered now asks the person who said thank you, who understood them, tell me something about porn. Mm-hmm. And then that person can answer and they get thanked if they're understood. And then it just goes back and forth. And if you do that and hold that contact and presence that the other person is just a conscious being with choice and you share fully with each other in 20 to 40 minutes, you will have such a deeper understanding with each other about, tell me something about porn for that Mm -hmm. person than you ever could trying to fricking hash it out in an Mm -hmm. informal conversation. Yeah. So that's a tool that you can use. And there's like so many other answers to that question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One thing that I would recommend against is like getting deep into like why and doing the therapy thing on your partner. Like what happened when you were a child that has you feel this way to all that stuff. I recommend having those conversations with the therapist, Mm -hmm. but not always having those types of conversations with your partner. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I think it's, it's definitely a delicate I mean, I think anything that you would speak to a therapist about is very delicate. And if you're not trained to do it, I think it can be more deleterious than positive. Yeah. Nice vocabulary. (laughs) The the (laughs) thing I want to say is if you're trying to find a therapist or counselor for anything with regard to sex or sexuality, do not go to, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to stomp my foot down here and be very, Hmm. you know, one-sided about this. Don't go to any therapist that is not a part of a sect. It's, I think mm. there's two A's, A-A-S-E-C-T. Mm, okay. A sect. I think I'm saying that correctly. I'm Google it really quick. Because mm. this is um, therapists with, that are sex positive, that have followed, that have passed tests and all of this to be sex therapists. And yeah. They've had their unconscious biases about sex tested and all kinds of things. And I did say it right. A-A-S-E-C-T. It's an acronym. You can look it up. (laughs) Okay. That's really helpful. So I, based on your response to the last question, would actually maybe presume that this might be similar. And so the question is, how do you broach the topic of introducing another person or multiple people in the bedroom if you have a partner who has never explored that? And I imagine it might be similar to porn, where if you have someone who just is not necessarily embracing that in their own life as it is, maybe they have a lot of misconceptions or preconceived notions about it. Would you recommend a similar approach where you kind of try to teach the other person and they have to just listen fully and only respond in certain ways after you've finished presenting Mm -hmm. your explanation of it? Yeah, you could totally use the dyad model to explore tell me something about polyamory. Tell me something about you and polyamory. Tell me something about you and multiple partners. Tell me something. You could use the dyad in that for sure. Mm -hmm. Something else came to me when you were asking it about introducing more people into the bedroom. Oh, Layla Martin actually has a cool methodology and I don't remember the exact ingredients of it, but it's something like tell me something you're afraid of, tell me something you're grateful Mm. for, and tell me something you love about me or something like that. There's Mm. like three steps to it that kind of cover the gamut. Like 
we'll just make it up for ourselves, a la Layla Martin, and credit her for the idea of this triple. It's kind of like a triple part dyad, but that I don't think with hers, there's like all the formality around how you can respond, but maybe there is. I don't know. Anyway, you could say like, tell me something you're looking forward to about introducing Mm -hmm. another partner. Tell me something you're grateful for about our sexuality and partnership together. Tell me something you love about us. Okay. And you can titrate that way. Titrating is like pouring. We did one instruction that had to do with introducing somebody else. And then we, we talked about just us, just us. Mm-hmm. One question about introducing somebody else, just us, just us. Mm. I work a lot with people's nervous systems and mm-hmm. titration comes from chemistry where you only add, like if you're adding an agent to another solution that would make that solution explode. Mm-hmm. If you add just a little bit and wait yeah. Yeah. and add just a little bit and wait, you can get the mixtures together without causing the explosion. And so we don't want to explode people's nervous systems with some, (laughs) you know, topics like these that could blow them up, Yeah, put them in collapse, put them in freeze, put them in fawning and people pleasing and saying yes to something they're actually a no to. Yeah. And again, it's not your job to manage other people's nervous systems. It's up Mm -hmm. to them ultimately. And if you want to be a really great partner, you will attune to your partner's nervous system and titrate as their system might need but it's not your damn job. Yeah. (laughs) As someone who took many science classes in high school and college, I never expected to expand my understanding of titration to this topic, but I love that. (laughs) Definitely. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a really good concept to bring into difficult conversations. Yeah. It's kind of like you could talk about the difficult thing for three minutes and then have like stand up and shake out or have a dance break or go walk Mm -hmm. outside and breathe and come back in in 45 seconds or 45 minutes, like whatever you Mm -hmm. need for your level of titration. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. And again, like this could be a whole entire episode about swinging and polysexuality and polyamory. And there's a lot here, but yeah, absolutely. I know. Yeah, I know. I feel like it's barely scratching the surface, but hopefully is at least helpful in people who are looking to explore certain things and gives them a bit of a framework to move forward. Yeah. I mean, to give people an idea, I am working with a couple now. I worked with the wife for a year for her to come into a place to be listening and be able to even hear her needs, wants, and desires. Mm -hmm. And then she started doing that within like two months of us working together. And then the thing that we do, and I think it's a product of like white supremacy and perfectionism and stuff is right when we arrive at the thing that we were working toward, like right when she started being able to hear her own needs, wants, and desires, we like think we've arrived and we don't, we don't Mm -hmm. like deepen that. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. the other 10 months were, were spent in deepening that with her. Mm -hmm. And then her husband saw such a huge difference and so much advancements in her erotic authenticity and sexuality that he was like, what's going on here? He started, Mm -hmm. started sniffing around and Mm -hmm. we all three got on a call and discovered that one of her needs, wants, and desires was to open the marriage. And they've been together for 23 years, 23 years. And she had no idea. And neither did I, when we started working together that she was going to want to open it up. Well, he wanted to, but was having such a hard time with it because he lacked self-worth. 
So Mm, he ended up signing on with me and we did sessions on like self-worth and also on having sex with more than one woman because Mm. of all the things he was taught about, you know, when you have sex with a woman, you're dedicated to that woman for life Mm. and you provide her everything. That was one of the shoulds that he was putting on himself about having multiple partners. So he was getting into trouble with the multiple partners because he started to give way too much time and energy to the other partners because he Mm. thought he had to, because that was one of the shoulds and how he was conditioned. So I'm giving this example, like in three or four sessions, his self-worth and ability to see when and where he wasn't taking care of himself and being responsible for his own self-worth and outsourcing it to other people, he in three or four sessions like is able to do that now and sees Mm -hmm. it now and can Mm -hmm. manage it now. Mm -hmm. And then now we're meeting all of us together to create a marriage covenant to um, solidify their commitments and values and what they're up to together, to bring that as a guiding light, a guidepost to their newly opened relationship after 23 years of being closed. I say all of that to say, you asked me this question about like how to broach the topic of bringing other people in. And what I wanted to show with that example is, Mm -hmm. yes, we can give you some tips here and it could be a three-month journey with a guide such as myself. Or Mm -hmm. for them, it's going to be two years that we work together to really... Because they don't want to throw away the empire that we've built together in their relationship. So yeah, yeah, I can give you some communication tips and tricks. And by all means, I hope that is all you need and it works for you. And for other people, you might need some support over time. Yeah, definitely. And I think that transitions really well into the next two questions, actually. And they are different questions, but I group them together just because I think the theme of this isn't one particular pathway to address any one issue, any one need, any one desire. And also, Mm -hmm. I think both of these are things that can be explored through coaching, either individual or couples, and that the erotic blueprint could help with. So, one of them is, you know, maybe you have someone who is really trying to introduce more dirty talk into the bedroom. It's not something they're comfortable with. So how to do that. And then also any advice that you have for keeping the sexual chemistry alive in a long-term relationship. And again, of course, not conflating those two. Dirty talk does not necessarily mean you're going to have better sexual chemistry. But yeah, I would just love to hear your general advice for someone who's looking to approach either of those. Yeah. If one of you is kinky or sexual, dirty talk the classic dirty talk that you have representation and normalization of those words and ways of speaking dirty will probably increase passion and keep chemistry and passion alive between the two of you. Now, (laughs) if you're trying to do dirty talk and you don't know each other's blueprints, you could say things that really turn each other off. So just by the quiz you could glean enough information to like maybe start dabbling in speaking, talking dirty in ways that each of you would like. Mm -hmm. And so take the quiz and then see what happens for you. Yeah. So I used to not be able to talk dirty. Mm. The first experience I had of talking dirty was at Burning Man in a dome for a class. And that was 2006. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I giggled 
<laughs> so hard and couldn't function the entire time because people were going straight to the, I can't even talk that way because I'm not highly sexual, but just, you know, talking about like jamming cucumbers up each other's ass or, you know, mm-hmm. in, up mm-hmm. the vagina or whatever. They were like very sexually explicit. Mm-hmm. And what I now know is that what I needed was somebody to be a little more elusive or kinky about, you know, what they said and maybe stand a little farther away from me Mm -hmm. and slow down the speed of talking Mm -hmm. dirty to me. (laughs) (laughs) I love the demonstrations. It's really drives it home. Yeah. So it's like, when you understand the erotic blueprints, you not just from the quiz, but from like the course or working with a coach, you really start to be able to develop your repertoire. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. without taking the quiz, without doing the course or enrolling with a coach, what you could do is just play with speaking and saying things you never would. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bring wonder, joy, and curiosity. So wonder, joy, and curiosity are eroticism amplifiers. Mm. If you do not have wonder, joy, and curiosity, like all three of those ingredients, you are at risk of dampening, deflating, stamping out, and killing eroticism mm-hmm. with yourself and with your partners. So come to it with wonder, joy, and curiosity and let yourself say things that you never would or never would think of. Mm-hmm. because you'll start to discover you won't have the words for it. You won't have the terminology and vocabulary to like put mm-hmm. it in a box and understand it like you will with the erotic blueprint course yeah. or working with a coach, but basically like forget everything you ever saw and like start talking about, you know, the leaves on trees. <laughs> okay. We think cucumbers, vibrators, <laughs> I'm going to stick it in you like the classic represented sex talk. Mm-hmm. or dirty talk, but I want to pick fresh roses from the garden, mm-hmm. gently and carefully cut the heads of the roses off of the stem. So there's no thorns to threaten your body. Mm-hmm. And then I want to slowly slide and glide those full roses across your entire body. And I will allow them to approach your face and your nose so that you get glimpses of the fragrance. And then I want to crush those flowers and sprinkle them all over your body Mm -hmm. and mash them into the bed so that we can smell those beautiful oils forever and ever. That was a shapeshifter dirty talk. I did energetic, sensual, sexual, kinky. I just feel like that came so naturally to you. Wow. I also love that because I think oftentimes when you think about dirty talk, it's like what you said, people have a prescriptive view of what that's like. And you have to be super raunchy and like talk about genitalia and like the acts, but there was literally nothing that was raunchy or X-rated about that. And yet it was so incredibly sexy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so like the raunchy stuff, we are not bad mouthing that at all. No, we are not shaming you not. sexuals. If that's for you, awesome. I'm not a highly sexual blueprint. So for me to try to demo something raunchy, (laughs) I'm probably just going to like be super clunky and giggle a lot. Yeah. And if I have a partner that's highly sexual, it's going to benefit our relationship for me to learn to get better at Mm -hmm. that. 
And again, it's not my fucking job. It's not my job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like it's not theirs to get all energetic and shapeshiftery with me. Yeah. Yeah. That's the key theme. It helps do what you said. Keep the sexual chemistry going. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this last question, and this is a very broad one. Maybe you don't have anything off the top of your head, but if you do, I would love to get your first reaction to over the course of your work and your exploration and your teaching. Is there any misconception that has been the most common or the most egregious about sex and sexuality that you've heard and you've had to dispel? We've spoken to the main ones like already, which Mm -hmm. are women, cis females, like flowers, Mm -hmm. romantic dinners. I mean, and I'm saying cis females because that's what's represented on on the screen. But like if you're dating a female, a person who identifies as a woman, so I don't want to use the biological sex terms there and confuse Mm -hmm. people. So if you're dating someone who identifies as a woman, you need to buy them roses. You need to make sure there's candlelight at dinner. You Mm -hmm. need to make sure that there's like a swan on a lake somewhere (laughs) along your date. Yeah. And you need to like massage her with lots of oils. Otherwise she won't get turned on. And you need to like make sure that you cuddle after sex. Mm -hmm. That is a fucking nightmare for an energetic (laughs) shapeshifter like me. That is a nightmare. That doesn't feed me. Well, it feeds me a bit, but it doesn't feed me to the degree of like sexy tank being filled up and turned on for you Yeah, at all. And then... And I'm saying that right now for like, when I use the example of identify as a woman, I have to out myself. I'm a queer newbie. It was March, 2020 that I realized that I'm genderqueer and not cis female. Mm -hmm. I continually do to myself what we are taught not to do to Mm -hmm. queer identified people Mm -hmm. and talk about like my former identity. So I'm just going to call that out here. I'm still learning to not do that to myself. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is a man is a virile, worthwhile, manly man if he has like a giant hard cock and can fuck a woman into oblivion. Mm-hmm. These yeah. are just like the absurd misconceptions about sex and sexuality and eroticism that just they are keeping us in boxes yeah. that we don't belong in. And I will add, it's not a misconception, it's a misstep. Mm. That society doesn't fucking represent sex and sexuality outside of the binary, beyond yeah. the binary. Yeah. Doesn't do a good job at representing queer sex. And there's all kinds of information and content about like how ridiculous it is to have a straight person or a cis person play a role of, you know, a gay or a genderqueer human. Mm-hmm. So that is not a misconception. It is a sad, sad misstep. And I think that we are starting to overturn that Yeah, too slow, but it's happening. Little by little. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm really glad that we got to end on that. Cause like you said, I know we covered it, but it, because it's so ingrained in our society, I feel like it cannot be overstated. So I feel like that's the perfect note to wrap on. And hopefully anyone who has listened this far has just heard the myriad of ways that Monica Jane can help if you are really exploring any element of sexuality. And so I would love to have you just summarize the best way for any listeners to get in touch with you if they're interested. 
I invite you to look at monicajane.com. Jane is with a Y, J-A-Y-N-E, mm-hmm. if you want to. Especially go there if you want to get the 15% discount on either of the video courses, Authentic Evolution or Erratic Movement Breakthrough course. Mm-hmm. And if you want to just get in touch, if you're like, oh my God, I would love to be directed, give me the direct link to these things I'm looking for, or you are interested in one-on-one or two-on-one or three-on-one or 10-on-one, depending mm-hmm. on your relationship arrangement, mm-hmm. coaching, you can just send me a message in Instagram. My Instagram name is I am Monica Jane, I-A-M-M-O-N-I-C-A-J-A-Y-N-E. You can just slide right on into my DMs on Instagram and I will be happy to direct you because if you're an energetic at all or essential, my website will be visually pleasing, but annoying to operate. (laughs) And then you can always use the contact form on Mm -hmm. the website if you don't do Instagram to reach out to me directly. And so I have at this point in time, and I don't know when the podcast is going to come out, but I have about three to five, depending mm. on what type of journey you want to go on with me, private mm-hmm. coaching spots left. And then I'm just going to be focusing my energy more on like, how can I actually serve millions? Because I want people to evolve authentically and mm-hmm. be able to identify how society, culture, religion, and family has fucked them over and made them think they're someone that they're not. And so business is shifting. So Mm. hello at monicajane.com email Mm -hmm. at I am Monica Jane on Instagram or the contact form on the website. Please reach out to me. I'm looking for my final one-on-one coaching journeys and humans to guide them through. Amazing. Well, I'll link to all of that in the show notes. And there is definitely a sense of urgency if you're looking for that one-on-one coaching. So slide in Mm -hmm. when you hear this. Cool. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming back. This was so amazing. And I personally clearly learned a lot, even as we were recording. And I just really hope that that is something that the audience shares as well. I can't imagine they don't. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Leslie. I really enjoy your podcast and the way that you interview. I've been on, I don't know, 30, 50, I don't know how many podcasts. And honestly, you are one of my favorite interviewers because you're so thoughtful and deep and thorough and like actually present and not on some like agenda. So thank you so Mm. much for being an amazing podcast creator. Thank you. That really means a lot. Let's be exclusive. Subscribe to Interstates and Heartbreak wherever you listen to podcasts for more firsthand stories about the unglamorous side of dating in Los Angeles. And while you're at it, you can write me a love letter with a rating and review on Apple. See you next Sunday.